Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It is Wednesday, January 26th. Uh, we're recording this about 11 a.m. Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky. Danny Sennard in Columbus, Ohio. And not technically an emergency podcast. I know a lot of you guys were, were clamoring for that last night, you sickos out there. Uh, but still a big deal. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't think I need to explain it. Uh, why we're here, why we're doing this, why we're recording this, and what we're going to be talking about. The fantasy golf season has returned. Uh, I was going to make that joke, I swear the, to God. The, the, the thing that everyone who listens to this podcast tunes in for, me and Dan, uh, our fantasy golf team, back for another year. And I made the pick for week one. We're going with Will Zalatoris. I feel pretty good about it. Uh, shout out to the Commodores. Uh, go Vandy. And we'll see what happens this week. Uh, weird teeing off on a Wednesday, but here we are. Um, no, just, just joking. Um, and if I do sound, before we get into what we're actually talking about, if I sound a little bit congested or whatever, I've got COVID, by the way. So, so that it's, it's all it's, happening. It's literally all happening right now. The Rutherfords have been ransacked by COVID. We avoided it for damn near two years, but it caught up with us. I, I shit you not, Dan. Like, we send Virginia back to school for two days. She's out for the first two weeks because everybody at the school is sick. We hold her off for a couple of days, then she has a, a cold anyway, so she can't go for week two. We send her for two days, um, and then Mary and I have not done anything socially together, just the two of us, in like a year. Uh, every time we have plans, they get canceled, somebody gets sick. You know, we were going to go to brunch with you guys a, a few weeks ago. You guys get sick and you can't come in town. And we finally have a, a day out going to the, the Notre Dame game on Saturday, um, meet you guys and a couple other friends for drinks before. We go to, I do the Russ Smith thing afterwards, which I thought we would spend most of the podcast talking about, but we're probably not going to talk about it at all. And sure enough, like, like, all that's all it takes it is one, two days of school, one day out, and somehow at some point last week, we all got COVID, and now here I am, very tired, very out of breath, but we're fine. Everybody's doing fine. We're going to move past it. Virginia, I think, is already over it pretty much. Uh, Baby John's doing okay. Mary and I are both just super exhausted, but it's fine. Has Chris Mack texted to check on you, make sure you're okay? Not yet. Not okay. yet. Ha- hasn't happened yet. But that is what we're here to talk about today, and I'm going to have to keep checking Twitter and the phone, I guess, during the podcast, just in case anything substantially breaks. But we're here because we are mere hours away from the end, the official end of the Chris Mack era at the University of Louisville. I think we will, I mean, if you're listening to this after 4.30, you're, you're probably already in the world where Chris Mack has has stepped down, where there's been a mutual parting of ways, which is about to happen. There was a team meeting that had been scheduled for 8.30 this morning that was reported by uh, Rick Bozich last night, where uh, the, the rumor was all the players were going to be there, the coaching staff was going to be there, and, and Josh Hurd was going to be there. That apparently has been pushed back until this afternoon. Um, I know some players showed up at the Keeper Center already today. Um, I think there was a little bit of a mini-team meeting, but the big-team meeting apparently is going to happen this afternoon. And then at 4 o'clock, we have the joint meeting of the UofL Athletic Association's Board of Trustees and the UofL Board of Directors, where I think it's going to be announced that there has been a mutual parting of ways with Chris Mack. My understanding is it's going to be a negotiated buyout that's going to be less than half of his currently – um, contractual $12 million buyout. I think it's going to be somewhere around $5 million when all said and done. But Dan, let's, let's start off right at the top. Like, there's been so much speculation for weeks now 
I've been of the belief, I've said it on this podcast, that the most likely scenario was uh, Chris Mack still being around next year just because of his buyout and because of the timeline and, and all this other stuff. But in recent weeks, the the possibility of a negotiated buyout has seemed more and more likely just because I think it's become more and more apparent that Chris Mack's as unhappy with UofL as, as UofL is with him. And now here we are. Before I mean, blindsided yesterday. I, I did not see yeah. it coming at all. I got no sort of uh, tip when it happened. I was just as surprised as everybody else. Chris Mack's not going to make it through his fourth season at UofL. How shocked are you? Uh, how, how much are you still trying to wrap your mind around what's happening here? I just cannot believe how fast this snowballed in about, I don't know, three weeks. Um, I feel like the fan base still had hope, uh, like during the Florida State game, maybe. Um, but that loss to NC State, um, you know, on the back of the technicals he got against Pitt, really, I think, soured a lot of fans. And we even got on the pod afterwards. And, you know, I, I, I both know, yeah, I mean, I, I think we both thought, He's at least probably going to make it to the end of the year, but things are definitely trending in the wrong direction. I think we wondered out loud, like, I mean, yeah, it's bad. Like, but what happens if we lose to like a pit or a Boston college? Well, I, I think we found out. So, um, you know, obviously, I mean, you never want to celebrate, you know, a, a parting of ways, but it was definitely time for sure. Um, I think it had run its course, unfortunately. I, I think the players were unhappy um, by their body language. Obviously, Coach Mack, the last three weeks, has looked miserable. Um, and you know what? Like, I really do. I, I generally hope that uh, wherever he goes next that he's successful. And I, I really think he will be. I don't know. For just whatever reason, he caught some bad breaks here. Um, it didn't work out. Did I think – differently when we hired him um of course I think everybody did I think you're probably lying to yourself if you thought it was going to go this badly um but with that being said the hot takes are just running wild on Twitter <laughs> God, I can't even lie I mean like here's the deal we have a long way to go and I mean I log on Twitter and I mean I think we've named like every L fan has named every possible coach Every coach know. is out there. Everyone. Exactly. Like, it's been one day. These coaches have no idea. Like, I, I mean, some are probably just finding out that the job's even open. So nobody knows. Um, it, I guess it's fun to speculate. I like to speculate, you know, on our text thread. It, it's a fun thing to do. But right now, I mean, I, I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a jolt for the players. Um, I, I think – you know, they were unhappy. They got Duke coming up on Saturday. I think they're going to get a re-energized fan base at the game. Um, so I, I I went from being very sad about these last 10 games to I'm actually pretty excited. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking to see, you know, which players stand out. Because to be honest, these players, I mean, who knows who's going to be here next year? I don't know who wants to be here. Um, but, you know, for the players that do want to be here, they're playing for, you know, the game tape. They're playing for whoever this next coach is going to be because they're going to be watching the game tape of these games and seeing, you know, who belongs in the system, who plays hard. So there's a lot on the line here, um, maybe not like NCAA tournament-wise, but there's a lot on the line for, you know, these possible returning players these next 10 games. I'm looking forward to watching it. If you're looking for, I mean, I, I guess let's start here with because people are like, well, what do you know? Uh, How is this happening? What's going on behind the scenes? I mean, we're not going to be able to tell you 
who the next head basketball coach at UFL is going to be. Uh, we can run through, I, I guess, some of the possibilities, and I'll tell you what I'm hearing. But as far as the Mac situation and what I've heard on that front, first and foremost, this was, I guess, last night around 10 o'clock. From a player on the team via direct message, this was the uh, – I'll use the exact quote. Simple, short, and sweet. Uh, he said, literally every player on the team is happy was the the quote that I got from a player. So if you're wondering if there's some conflicted interests and in, in people having feelings both ways, I'm sure there's a little bit of that with some of the guys, but it sounds like, I mean, I, I don't think I'm breaking any news here right. to tell anybody listening that there's been a rift between the players and Chris Mack and, and really the coaching staff and Chris Mack and, you know, kind of, you know, the, the way it was phrased so many times this weekend when I was talking to people was, well, Mac hates everybody and everybody hates Mac. It's kind of the, the way that it's been. I don't know how we got to this point, but that's where that's where we've been for several months now. So the players, I, I think you're right, are, are going to be re-energized under Mike DeGeese, who you assume is going to be reinstated as the interim head coach, which, I mean, have we ever had a season where a guy started off the year and been the interim head coach and then been back as the interim head coach like two months later? I don't know. It, it's We continue to break new ground here at the University of Louisville. Um the other thing that I think people are are interested in, well, one of the many things that people are interested in, like the timeline of all this. Um, how long was this in the works? Who approached who? How did this all happen? The only real insight I can give you there, because you know Tim Sullivan wrote about the potential negotiated buyout a couple of weeks ago, and I think it pissed Chris back off. But it, it was clear that U of L was at least working on this as a contingency plan. That this was something that was being considered because they were aware that Mac was unhappy and. Obviously, they were unhappy with the job that Mac was doing. My understanding, uh, what I was told yesterday, was that Saturday, the Notre Dame game, was kind of a tipping point for, for Mac. Um, I think him being booed multiple times by the home crowd, Patino being cheered roundly during the halftime Russ Smith ceremony. I mean, probably you were there. I was there. The loudest that arena's been in two years was oh, yeah. when Rick, Rick Patino popped up on the big screen. And then Malik Williams' postgame comments. Um I think that all played a part in how we got here so quickly. I think that we would have ended up at the same spot five weeks from now if right. um, you know if Saturday hadn't happened the way it did. But I think after that, Mac was – and you saw it in his body language on Monday. The, the man basically didn't coach the game against Virginia. He just sat there with his, you know, the, the standard very, Tebow yeah, clothes. Very Isaiah Thomas FIU-like during the game. 100%. It's a perfect comparison. Just sitting there one knee, you know, chin on – fist like just kind of staring not really doing a whole lot of anything he looked like a broken man and I think Saturday was kind of the last straw and it pushed him over the edge a little bit I mean he told I know he said after the game on Monday you know he tried to explain Malik Williams answer to Tim Sullivan's question on Saturday by saying you know he got asked a a tough question and he didn't know how to answer it and it was simple as that um what I was told was that he was less uh less willing to defend Malik on Sunday I think the exact phrase that he used when talking to the entire team was that was pretty fucked up um and a lot of people aired grievances during that practice on Sunday it clearly didn't get them where they wanted to be because here we are on on Wednesday now getting ready to move on from Chris Mack but that's kind of my behind the scenes what I know so far it's it's still stunning to me that we're not going to have Chris Mack finish the season just because I, I never thought it was possible. You had, you know, you'll have national media people reach out and be like, man, things seem pretty shitty down there. Like, is this guy even going to make it through the season? 
And this, you know, for the last several weeks, I've been like, well, sure. Like, he, everybody's going to play this thing out. We may have a couple guys transfer, but we're going to get to the end of the season, and then we'll take it from there. And now here we are, and it's uh, it all happened just so, so quickly. And I saw one person yesterday be like, man, weird spot for any university to be. They've got no president, no athletic director, and they've soon to have, uh, they're soon to have no men's basketball coach. I'm like, we were in the exact same spot <laughs> four years ago. We literally had a different interim athletic director, a different interim president, and a different interim head men's basketball coach. And now, you know, four years later for all the talk of us making progress and doing what we can to, to change the guard and, and move on from the past era, we're in the exact same fucking place. It, it's unbelievable what's happened here. But uh, I, I guess just what you said there at the end uh, uh, when you were talking last, I totally agree with. I feel – and it feels almost wrong because, like, like you, you, you never want to see anybody get fired. But I am far more excited about the last five weeks of the season than I was 48 hours ago. And that's not because I think this team's going to, like, turn it around under Mike Pegues and make the NCAA tournament or, you know, win the ACC tournament. But just because I feel like the players are at least going to feel – free a little bit like they're going yep. to play loose they're going to play with enthusiasm I think the fan base is going to be more enthusiastic and more supportive for these final uh, nine games of the regular season and then whatever happens in the conference tournament and that's good like, like I'm glad I wish it didn't happen exactly like this but on the other hand it does feel kind of good to have that first step out of the way instead of five weeks of will he or won't he or what's UofL going to do or how's this going to work we don't know what step two is going to be, but we now know what step one is. And and that's the biggest question has always been, is Chris Mack going to be here next year? And we finally have the answer. I'm I'm excited about the last five weeks of the season, even if they don't go well. It just seems, I don't know, it, it, it's going to be something that we can now get enthusiastic about. But it's the, the defining storyline is still going to be who's going to be the next head coach. Like that That's always going to top whatever happens on the court now. Oh, 100%. And... I'm excited for the players and the fact, like, I mean, some of them, the guys that have been here, like Malik, you know, they, they've they got to experience, like, what a real Louisville fan base is like. Like, in Chris Mack's first year, we had some success. We had some sold-out crowds, um, you know, so they got to experience. But a lot of these players, I mean, they've had COVID, and then, obviously, Chris Mack had suspended the first six games of the year. We already start out on a bad foot, losing to Furman and DePaul. The fan base turns. And, they, you know, they haven't gotten the full Louisville experience. So, like you said, I, I hope these last five weeks that the fan base shows out for home games and we can support these kids as much as possible and kind of show them, like, why we are, you know, or why we consider ourselves to be a, a top six, seven, you know, basketball school. Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I, do I think the team, we talked about this. I mean, you know, I think the reason for a lot of these losses, yes, were they full, they, they were not fully engaged with Chris Mack. That was obvious. Um, but obviously from a recruiting standpoint, I think we failed. I think, uh, you know, from what I see, you know, we really, the last four years under Chris Mack, we really failed. Um, in my opinion, the biggest mistake he made was not being able to recruit a point guard. Um, it's just been musical chairs there. And I know we've had some good ones. I mean, I know Carly can, if you want to consider David Johnson a, a point guard, even though he's kind of a, a combo guard, um, you know, they've been well. But 
gosh, I mean, just pulling mid-major guys, you know, out and having them run the team and between that and all the, the crazy rotations that he's had this year and not be able to stick with the lineup. I mean, it was just never going to work. Um, and I'm, I am happy that they came to some sort of agreement because my God, that last five weeks was going to be so painful. Like it was going to be, it, it was already like, <laughs> I can't even imagine what it was going to be like, you know, for uh, like the poor senior day ceremony was going to be depressing. But um, anyways, that's not to say they're going to go on a run or anything. I just think they're going to play with a little more, um, a little more energy, but you know, like you said, when it comes down to it, uh, I, I think all the fan base wants to know who's going to be the next coach. Um, you know, I know. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it. There's a couple guys on my list. Um, and I, I already said, remember last last podcast, I was like, we're not going to make lists, okay? We're not going to do the list. It's just we're going to set our expectations too high. Well, it's officially list season. So um, yeah. I think everyone's going to have their, their list for the time being. But um there's still a lot of season to play out i kind of want to see how some of these so uncalled you know so and so called candidates do the rest of the year um but i don't know i mean coaching searches i i kind of enjoy them i think they're fun um but they can be exhausting at the same time the thing about us right now is i wish it was as straightforward as well max not gone you know max not going to be here next year we've right. established that now who's the next head coach? But so we, many circumstances. It's unbelievable. It's still, we're, we're still in an awkward spot where we don't know what's going to happen with the NCA and the IRP stuff. We, we don't know when we're going to hear from them. It's probably going to put us in a position. It's probably not going to be until we've already had to make whatever move we're going to make. Um, we still don't know exactly what our financial situation is. And we still don't have a full-time athletic director. I mean, Josh Hurd has been AD, interim AD, for like 35 seconds. And – we we've the average U of L fan has no idea what Josh Hurd looks like. Couldn't pick him out of a room. Has heard him talk maybe once, and he's about to make potentially one of the biggest hires in the history of this athletic program. And, and I don't think that's hyperbolic. You yep. you messed up the Mac hire, even though it feels unfair to say that. Like Mac yeah. was the guy that that most Louisville fans wanted. He was the the obvious choice. It was a no brainer hire. Every college basketball writer signed off on it. Everybody thought it was at least going to be moderately successful. Nobody predicted it was going to be the disaster that it's been. So, like, it feels wrong to say that you messed it up. But clearly it was a hire that did not go well for UofL. And now the program is still in a bit of limbo. It's in a precarious spot. The This is the flagship program of this whole athletic department. Like, UofL men's basketball has been driving this ship for a long time. I know football is always going to be the biggest revenue maker at any school that has an FBS program, but this is still considered by most people nationally to be a, a, a basketball school. You've got to get this hire right. Like A program of Louisville stature can certainly survive one bad hire. It can survive a little bit of adversity but or a, a lot of bit of adversity if you're, <laughs> if you're us. Yeah. But you've got, to, you've got to get this hire right. And the person who's making this decision has uh, – we don't even know if he's going to be the full-time athletic director. It, it's just still a weird yeah. spot. I think there are – I think there's at least a possibility out there that you still have, an, like, an interim head coach for next season. Like, let's say Mike Pegues does a great job over these next six weeks. Do you say, 
hey, would you like to be the interim head coach for one season and we'll see what happens from there? I don't know if Pagese would even sign up for that. That would seem kind of unfair to him, but it seems like it's at least a possibility. Uh, it's still just a a weird position to be in, and you've also got a whole bunch of you know you've got a whole bunch of interested candidates out there that are in the middle of their seasons. Some of them in the middle of very successful seasons. That's going to demand the bulk of their focus for the next uh, two months, maybe beyond. And then also the the issue of if you don't know what punishments are coming, if you, if you don't know if there's an you know one year NCAA tournament ban, two year NCAA tournament ban no year NCAA tournament ban, it dramatically alters the, the way you're able to structure a contract. Because if there is a ban on the horizon, you've got to put different clauses in place. You, you've got to pay a guy maybe a different amount of money. You, you've got to have a different buyout number in there. And if there is no NCAA tournament ban, then you can kind of operate as normal. But I don't think we're going to know that by the time late March, early April rolls around when we're going to be potentially making a hire. Um, I won't ask you about I guess names. We can get to that in a second, but what do you want to see? Like, what's your primary demand for whoever this next men's basketball coach is? What do you want to see more than anything else in whoever we hire? Well, here's the the reason I think Chris Mack probably didn't work out. I don't think it was just from an X's and O's standpoint. I I think that we've seen that the basketball coach here has to be more than just a basketball coach. It has to be, you know, a charismatic guy, someone that's in the community, someone that's willing to mingle with, you know, anyone, whether it's donors, whether it's the fan base, whether it's other sports at the university, someone that is always out there um, and, and basically kind of makes the Louisville brand attractive, talks up the Yum Center. And I, I think that was from a basketball standpoint, I, I think people were excited about Chris Mack from an X's and O's standpoint. And we, we failed to realize that um, from a personality standpoint, not saying he's a bad guy, but just from like an overall personality standpoint, the Louisville job proved to be too big for him. Uh, you know, when, when basketball wasn't working out and I mean, we talked about this last night on our text, when basketball wasn't working out and the fan base started to get a little riled up and he faced some adversity. I mean, just being honest, he crumbled. He he had no idea how to handle it. So um, you have to have a very kind of large figure in this position, not just from a basketball standpoint, but from like an overall personality standpoint that that's able to handle this. And you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is a huge hire. I mean, we have to get this one right. I mean, you just look down the road to like Indiana. Look what they've been going through for you know, 25 years. I mean, I mean just, yeah. it's been musical chairs there. Um, and we do not want to turn into that. I mean, we have to get some stability in this position. That's what we've been known for, obviously, with, you know, the long tenure of Denny and Rick. And this is just one, I mean, you just cannot rush the decision. You cannot pigeonhole a candidate and kind of block everyone else out. You know, you really have to do your research. You really have to interview everyone and find the best candidate for the university. Real quickly, uh, because I, before we get into coaching candidates and, and what we're looking for and all that good stuff, how it went so wrong, I think you touched on it. I kind of want to dive into that for a second because it's not like it was all bad between Chris right. Mack and Louisville. Like, like, you know, he comes here. He says the right things. He brings the past players back into the fold. He he did 
the very few things that we weren't happy with when it came to Rick Pitino's tenure here, he rectified those. You know, he, he tried to reach out to Denny Crum and brought him back into the fold. He, you know, brought, had that picture with all the former players. Like, that was cool. He had a certain swag to him. He wore the, you know, the, the leather jacket at Louisville Live. And he also, he recruited well that first year. He went out and got that class of six players that uh, wound up being a top ten class. Sam Williamson was a McDonald's All-American. Aiden Nagayon was highly touted. Uh, it seemed to be going well. He overachieved in year one. A team that most people going into the season didn't think was going to make the NCAA tournament uh, made it relatively easily easily as a seven seed. Um, they got blasted by a very average uh, Richard Pitino Minnesota team in the first round, which was not great. But then year two happens, and it felt like we were back. I mean, it felt like we were going to be – we weren't going to miss a beat. Like There was some hiccups down the line with the NCAA stuff, but that team in year two of Chris Mack – was going to be competing for a national title. And they, they got to number one in the country in December. And then they kind of, you know, hit a lull during conference play. They were trending towards being like a 3-4-5 seed, depending on how they did in the ACC tournament. And we'll never know what they would have done in the in the March Madness because COVID happened and the world shut down. And that will always kind of be – I think that's always going to be the big what if for yep. the Chris Mack era. Like, if COVID doesn't happen, is everything different? Like, does that team make a run – does he have more momentum going into year three? Does that year three team thrive more if they don't have to have a billion COVID pauses? Uh, we'll just never know because the pandemic happens. Uh, adversity hits for the first time. In, in like you said, you, we were talking about this last night. Chris Mack had never faced adversity in his professional career before he got here. He didn't have to audition for the Xavier job. They did the thing that they've been doing for decades at Xavier where, you know, one head coach has success, gets a big-time job. And they just hand the reins over to his his right hand man who continues that success. Like Mac was always going to be the guy uh, at Xavier when that job opened up, and he took it, had success there, uh, took the was the most successful coach in program history according to win losses, took them to a, a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, took them to an elite eight, and really didn't have to audition for the Louisville job. I mean, it was he was always going to be the guy, and when the job opened up, it happened very quickly, and he was here. And then for the first time when COVID hit, he has a little bit of adversity. And he's dealing with a fan base that's upset with him for the first time. He's dealing with an administration that he feels like might not have his back for the first time. And he, I don't think, could have handled it any more poorly. Like, like he, instead of, instead of toughening up, to use one of his trademarks, and working his way out of this bad situation – he just kind of got angry about everything. He, he just, he sort of, he bitched and moaned and complained and got pissed off at everybody and, and was an asshole to everybody if you talk to people at UofL. And it led him to where he is today, which is about to be on his way out before even finishing year four. So <clears throat> I think that, I think not having dealt with adversity before played a huge factor in this. I also think, and I feel bad even talking about this, but I do think it's true. I think he was really insecure when it came to being compared to Rick Pitino. And that was something that you heard a lot about before he ever coached a game here. That, that was his one big holdup was, <clears throat> I don't want to be compared to Rick Pitino. Is this fan base ever going to get over Rick Pitino? I mean, he straight up said that to me. The, the first time I ever talked to him, that was the first question he asked me that was basketball related. He's like, do you think the fans are moving past Rick Pitino or will they be able to move past Rick Pitino? And my answer was like, I, I was straight up with him. I was like, if you win enough, hell yeah. Like, all you have to do is win a ton of basketball games, and it doesn't matter who the last head coach was. Like, if you win at the level that Patino and Denny Crum did, 
nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to care about your style or what you say or, or, or how recruiting's going. Just win. And the winning didn't happen at the level that Louisville fans are used to or where we expect it to be. And here we are. Um, let's, I mean, does that all sound pretty reasonable? Cause it, yeah, it, it, it feels like I, a precipitous I think, fall. I, no, I think you're right. And just to be fair, I mean, we, I don't think the fan base really has gotten over Patino, at least, uh, you know, I don't want to say majority, but maybe half, you know, his name is still brought up all the time. Obviously, we saw the reaction when they put him up on the Yum Center. One thing I failed to mention, um, as far as like maybe a, another reason the fans weren't a hundred percent bought in, um, and this, you know, I don't think it's super fair because it's it proved to be successful for Mac at his last tenure at Xavier. But the style play was just brutal. I mean, the, the the pack line defense never panned out. You know, obviously the the offense the first couple of years the fans wanted more. Last year was was just painful to watch how slow. You know, you know per possession we were shooting the ball. Um, but you know, if you're successful, I don't think the, the fans are going to care as much. But I, I think they were so used to you know Patino's especially from a defensive standpoint, like on ball pressure, you know, pressuring full court and whenever we got behind and you don't see teams pressing and, you know, we're not full on pressuring the ball. I I think Fran's got frustrated. So I'm not saying you have to get this for the next coach. um, But I think the fans would enjoy just a, a kind of a sexier style of play than what we've seen the last four years. Um, If we're going to find some, you know, I'm just throwing out a name. Like, let's say Tony Bennett comes in. Obviously, he's kind of the same way, but he also has a national championship beyond his name. Obviously, they're not as successful this year, but I think fans, you know, I think some of them would buy in, but I still think there would be a majority like, we already saw this pack line shit. We're not doing this again. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I, I honestly think that might play a little bit of a factor when you're looking for the next head coach. Yeah, it might, because that was, the I think, the one big holdup that Louisville fans had when Chris Mack was hired. Um, Maybe not just necessarily the the style, but the fact that his defenses weren't particularly good at Xavier. Like, I I laid that out. I remember on the, like, my introductory post, like, get to know Chris Mack. I listed the good, and there was plenty of good when he was hired. And I listed a couple of, I think, not-so-good things. And the main one for me was, those Xavier teams did not put up good defensive numbers. It's fine if you want to play pack line, but you got to play pack line like Virginia, like Wisconsin. You have to have that level of success if you're going to, to slow things down that considerably. And Xavier didn't have that level of success. And when you look at Louisville's numbers defensively under Rick Pitino, especially in the second half of that era, we were one of the, the, the five to ten best defensive teams in the country pretty much every single year um, when Rick was here. I knew it was going to be jarring to see a different style of play to see the lack of on-ball pressure the lack of trying to generate turnovers and get cheap points that way and that kind of played out I, I think if the offense had been better though people wouldn't have really really cared all that much I agree. Like, like, it, yeah. and it just it, the offense neither side of the ball was really good enough at least especially for the last two years um, I mean this year good lord every number is just is so bad I do kind of what do you think Dino Gaudio is doing right now I mean we talked about it last night, like his 
you know, there was a picture on Twitter of I don't know who posted it. One yeah, of can, can that guy? Can that guy not celebrate Dino Gaudi? Like this isn't a victory. Like he still played Dude, guilty. Is, that's like guilty of federal extortion charges. Yeah, that that like made me upset. Um, so honestly, I, I'm I could I, I that whole thing I think was I don't want to say it was a, a nail in the coffin for Chris, but I mean it. it Proved to be kind of the beginning of the end when all that went down with Dino. I think that was a a, a huge misstep by him. But yeah, I, I'm not going to defend Dino Gaudio at all. The guy's a, you know an asshole. We 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 got it on tape that he's an asshole. Um, so uh, for him to you know Dino. I don't know it wasn't Dino specifically. Dino. But, yeah. Dino. Come on, I, man. I, I could I could go without hearing that name ever again. I just can't. I mean, the fact that it's like Dino won in all of this somehow. It's like, oh really? Because didn't you just fucking plead guilty to federal extortion trials a few months ago? Like, there are no winners here. Like, yeah. like Chris Mack and Dino Gaudio both lost in all this. If there's a winner, maybe it's Luke Murray because he's coaching in, on in a, in a UConn program that seems to be on the rise and is probably going to to be in the NCAA tournament this year. So maybe Luke got the best of all of this, but. It sure as hell isn't poor Ross McMaines. Like, like, what is Ross McMaines thinking right now? He's like, he's like, well, Ross, you tried yeah. something different and it didn't work out. Let's go back to NBA and NBL life. Let's, let's maybe New Zealand's calling pretty soon in the off season because this, this, uh, this was a mistake. This isn't going great. Uh, I do kind of, there's a part of me that hopes, like, like, how fun would Saturday be if Mike Pagese somehow beats Mike Shashevsky. Like, I feel like I, I'm never pro Louisville court storm. I kind of would be pro Louisville court storm in, in, in that situation. Like let's storm, let's chant Baja bullies at midcourt. Let's uh, let, let's pour water on Pagese. Like that would be the coolest fucking thing ever. Like it, it's it like holy like, shit, JJ Trainer has five threes in the first half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he starts Trainer and plays forty minutes, and he goes for like forty and sixteen. <laughs> I <laughs> know. I mean, I completely agree. And I, I mean, here's here. I, I'm I'm not gonna blame the kids on the team, you know, because obviously there was a disconnect between them and their head coach. And um, it, you know, I, you want them to have the full college basketball experience. Um, and, and it just seems like theirs has, has kind of gone shit on a little bit, especially with COVID and stuff. Um, but I mean, these last twelve games. You know, I'm not saying they have to win, but it's on the players now. I mean, I want to see who is just going balls to the wall. I want to see, like, who wants to be here next year. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, again, it's been, it's been a rough season. I'm not going to put it on them. But now, I, I you know, I, I'm going to – I'm not going to say I am expect more because, you know, the leadership is in such flux. But from an effort standpoint, I'm very curious about, you know – kind of who's going to be here in the future and who wants to be here. Yeah, for sure. And as I, as I mentioned, like I, I did the the Russ Smith ceremony on, on Saturday night, which I would have really liked to have talked about on this podcast. But at this point, like it's, it's time to move on. Nobody really cares, but like stories, I, I told you this and I think I said it on the radio show on, on Monday, like stories were flying. You had several of the UFL big wigs, uh, people associated with UFL, people who are big time donors, who were there and everybody was, was wanting to talk about Chris Mack and how pissed off they were. And everybody had a story. And one of the most consistent stories was the number of players who were going to be gone if Chris Mack was around for another year. And 
I think some of those guys are still probably going to be gone. Like we know we're losing, you know, Mason Faulkner, Malik Williams, and um, uh, Jared, Jared West, West yeah. are all out of eligibility. Noah Locke technically could come back for one more year. I don't think he's going to. It sounds like he's ready to just move on from college basketball, which is understandable. I think that – I don't know what Sam Williamson does. I mean, it was sort of a, a guarantee that he was – I mean, he was definitely going to be gone if um, if Mac returned. But he was going to be gone probably more for just to start his professional career than I think to transfer somewhere else. Maybe – I know he's got some good NIL deals here in town. Um, maybe if you bring in a coach that, that vibes with him, he could stick around. Jalen Withers, I think everybody knew, was was probably going to be out the door if Mac stayed. Maybe he could be convinced to stay. Uh, J.J. Trainer maybe too far gone at this point. I don't know what would happen with him. Um, I think one name in particular would, would keep him home. If you get Kenny Payne, he's definitely staying. But is that how much of a big deal is that really? Other guys, I, I don't – I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what yeah. they're thinking. Like Sidney Curry, I've got no idea. He, he may not even like Sidney Curry. I don't. I don't know if he even knows that Max's gone. Like, like, well, <laughs> he he may have no idea what he's thinking. I don't know if he's thought that far ahead or if any of these guys have at this point. But it's all going to be like the roster shakeup is going to be very intriguing to follow. Um, let, let's get into names. I think that's what people <laughs> want to hear about. Like, let's 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 stop uh, pissing around here. People want to start talking about names and, and potential names. Let's start with the top because I, you know, people have been asking for weeks, like who's the most likely guy to be named head coach, and it's impossible to give a, a like a sound answer, a really well researched, well educated answer right now because we have an interim athletic director. Like, I don't know what Josh Hurd's thinking. I, I don't know if you knew this, Dan, but he came here from Villanova. He was at U of L. Came here from oh, Villanova. Yeah, Loves Jay Wright. Uh, you know, Jay Wright. Uh, maybe, maybe no, it's not happening. But. The, the top name, the guy who I've always said I think is the most likely just by default is Kenny Payne. And you've seen Louisville fans talk about him a lot for, for months now. He came up in 2018. Certainly former players are on the Kenny Payne bandwagon. Before I, I give my thoughts, uh, which always makes Louisville fans really happy, what are your thoughts? Where are you on the, the Kenny Payne movement here? That's tough. I mean, I don't want to say I'm anti-Kenny Payne. I really don't. Um, but I just hope whoever's making this decision just seriously vets everything and, and interviews every candidate before we set on P- Kenny Payne. And it's not just like, oh, the former players went Kenny Payne, so he's our guy. You know what I mean? Um, yes. Can I think, do I think he could be successful? Yeah. I mean, I think he could. Obviously, I think he would recruit. Um, you know, I, from like a head coaching standpoint, that's still to be seen. Um, but again, we we hired Denny. He was an assistant at UCLA, so uh, it's been done before here. Can we, we stop hire. making that comparison? I know that was like. I, oh, you're right. That was dumb. Different era like, in the program, and Denny Crum was an assistant under fucking John Wooden. Like, well, like let's, I know. Let's stop doing. It. Uh, this is what I'll say about Kenny. He knows the program. He, he knows the fan base. He knows what they expect. Um, and he's been around talent, obviously, and, um, you know, he's been around winning. So I don't know. I mean, would I be like over the moon about it? Probably not. I don't think I would. Um, but I wouldn't just completely shit on it, I guess. Uh, th- there's just other candidates out there that I, for me, at least from a, uh, you know, I'd be more interested in. If Kenny Payne gets the job, 
I mean, I'll obviously be 100% behind him. I'll yep. support him. I'll hope that he does the best job possible. I'll hope that he's Denny Crum, Rick Pitino times two, the, the greatest basketball coach of all time. Um, I'll also be, if he was able to, to get DJ Wagner away from UK, I could be one over pretty quickly. Like, like yes. that would happen. I've got several holdups with, with Kenny Payne. And it's not just because, you know, I said this the last time his name came up on a podcast and people lost their minds. Uh, but college basketball people, people who cover the sport, don't think he's going to work out well as a head coach wherever he goes. Put that aside. It's not, he's a Kentucky guy now. He spent so many years under John Calipari. I, I don't I don't give a shit about that. If Calipari came here and was going to win at this point, I'd be fully fine with it. My issue, my holdups with Kenny Payne are twofold. The first one is the biggest deal to me. John Calipari's coaching tree is awful. Yep. Mm-hmm. He has not he has not produced a single head coach who has done anything of note. Look at this coaching tree. Orlando Antigua, awful at South Florida. Tony Barbie, awful at wherever he's gone. Central Michigan, Auburn, UTEP, awful. Bruiser Flint, awful at UMass, awful at Drexel, fired at Cleveland State. Derek Kellogg, awful. Chuck Martin. Awful. Scott Padgett, fired at Stanford. Awful. Uh, John Robick, Youngstown State. Awful. Josh Pastner, probably the best he's produced. Like, I, and I, I, that's not me joking. He is the only head coach who's done anything of some consequence, and I believe it's won one NCAA tournament game at Memphis. Calipari has not produced a single head coach who has done anything of note. In fact, almost all of them have been fired and had to go back to Calipari to get their old jobs back. That's uh, my, my big holdup. My second major holdup, former players who have never been head coaches going back to their alma maters and becoming head coaches for the first time has almost always gone horribly. Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, not going great. Penny Hardaway at Memphis, going worse. Chris Mullen at St. John's was a complete disaster. Matt Doherty at North Carolina, even bigger disaster. Clyde Drexler at Houston, horrific. The one outlier right now is Juwan Howard at Michigan, because he was able to hire uh, Phil Martelli, who I think has helped him out a lot. I don't know if Kenny Payne can be Jawan Howard. And, and Michigan is, is underachieving this season right now, but I still think you say the good has outweighed the bad for Howard at Michigan so far. Like I don't know. Like, like That's a lot of evidence that points in the direction of Kenny Payne not being able to do a great job at Louisville. Like That all makes me very, very nervous. Like It seems like every indicator is you know saying, don't do this. This isn't a, a very safe hire. But it would make former players happy. That's cool. Like, I, I know Taekwon Dean tweeted he wants Kenny Payne last night. Like, I saw that. I, sure, certainly all the other players from the 80s would want Kenny Payne. Like, that that would be fun. I just think that it's – there are far more proven commodities out there that seem like sure – much sure bets. I mean, hell, you might have just convinced me with that argument. That was a hell – those were some names there um, that you went down that – yeah, and I don't know. I mean, yeah, you look at the Calipari coaching tree, and obviously you went through everyone there. Like, you know who does have a successful coaching tree? Yep. Our former coach, Rick Pitino, <laughs> and there is one guy under his coaching tree that actually was an assistant here at Louisville and made the Final Four last year, and now he's out at UCLA, that I would be very interested in hearing from, and I'll lay out my reasons that he's a Midwest guy. Can I, can I say something real quick? Hold on. Before, before you get into this, the big buzz this morning, if you believe any big buzz talk and the, the college basketball people talk, 
and this is all done through agents. It's all coaches like reaching out to their agents and saying, put stuff out there, put out feelers out there. But the big agent buzz this morning was that the Mick Cronin thing is very real. And I, before you get into the, to talking about Mick and the pros and cons, I'm still not buying it. Like this all just screams posturing to get a better deal from UCLA oh, to me. I could, yep. But that's what, you know, people are trying to tell me, like, there's there's real buzz behind Mick Cronin. Like, he's really interested. I'm like, ah, I, I, I'm not sure I'm 100% buying it. I, th- this feels like a contract play to me. But anyways, uh, go on. You you seem to be, like, you're kind of high on Mick. I, I mean, you know I've been high on Mick. I've been <laughs> high on him even before he took UCLA to the Final Four. I think what he did at Cincinnati was, I, and again, did he have the tournament success? No, he didn't. Um but that program was, I mean, in a much lower spot than we're at right now when he took over. I mean, they had football guys take up, you know, a lot of their bench. And, I mean, he turned them into a perennial tournament team. And, like I said, he's been around Louisville. So, obviously, he knows the tradition. He knows the fan base. Uh, coached under Rick Patino. He's a Midwest guy with Midwest, Midwest roots. So, we know he'll be able to recruit around this area. Plus, now that he's been out west, he might be able to, you know, he has some ties. I know he's got a five-star kid coming to UCLA next year. So, maybe he brings some recruiting ties from out west with him. Um, also, big horse guy. Um, not that that has too much to do with it because there's horses out in California. But uh, here's the thing that the Chris Mack era fully lacked for me, and that was toughness. And I could not stand to watch our teams get bitched around for four years. And Mick Cronin's teams play their ass off. They rebound the ball like a motherfucker. I mean, I I, I love watching them on the defensive end. I love watching them crash the boards. Is everything aesthetically pleasing on the offensive end? No. Although, you know, obviously the tournament run last year, they got a little hot. Johnny Juzang, what's up? Um but I, I just think he, I think he fully grasps how big of a job the University of Louisville is, um, and I, I, he's the one guy I would really want to hear from. I'm not saying he would take it, like you said, it could be posturing, but I am. I'm, I, I think he's a realistic candidate, and I'm high on him. Uh, you know, I, when we made our list, I put him right there at the top. I know that we're much closer to home for him than Los Angeles is, but he's at, he's the head coach at UCLA, I, and, he's, I understand, but... and he's he's got it rolling a little bit right now. They went to a Final Four. They're a potential Final Four team this year. They've been in the top ten for most of the season. Like, I just can't see him leaving that behind because he'll be a little bit closer to Keeneland and Churchill Downs if he's in Louisville. They've got racetracks out there in California, too. Uh, I, I, I understand. I just think from like a – and I'm not saying UCLA fans aren't passionate, but I, I don't – I mean, I don't it's think – different. I get it. It's just different. You know, UCLA basketball, even though like, you know, from a history standpoint, it's big, It's it's not the biggest thing in the city. You come to Louisville, I mean, we are the NBA team of the city. You know, UCLA is competing against a lot of other things out there. And, um, you know, it's all about what he wants. I have no idea what he wants. Um, but if he was a someone that was willing to listen, I would, I would be very happy because I think he would be successful here. I wouldn't hate it at all. I, I definitely would not hate it. Also, 
you know, if you're U of L and you really just want to stick it to Chris Mack, this is a <laughs> oh, 100 percent. Yep, yep. <laughs> this is the all-time hire. This, if it's all about just making Chris Mack as mad as possible, then this is absolutely the hire you make. And you give him. What if they gave like I don't know what Max. I can't remember what Max contract was, but what if it was like, you know, they give him like 12 million dollars plus one, like like, <laughs> like one ex, like one more dollar that Chris Mack got, and like a one extra year on his contract or something. I don't know, but. Like you know, people are trying to tell me that Nick Cronin is is legitimate. This could actually happen. I'm still I'm just not buying it. But who knows? We'll, we'll find out. the The name that I think maybe has generated the most buzz besides Kenny Payne, maybe even more buzz than Kenny Payne from the Louisville side is, and you and I are going to fight about this is Bruce Pearl. And you've been talking about Bruce now for like like three months. I feel like you you've been blowing me up and blowing all of our friends up about Bruce. It might get a little bit awkward for me just because back in 2019 when Auburn crashed the Final Four and I was working uh, covering college basketball for SB Nation, I wrote a pretty lengthy feature just essentially laying out all of the shady and shitty stuff that Bruce Pearl has done in his coaching career. It was a nice little feature that got a a very lovely email from Auburn's athletic director (laughs) to me. So I I don't know if if Bruce saw it or, or would hold it against me, but could be a little bit awkward. I think that I'm dancing around this because I, I don't want to say anything terrible. If you know what, fuck it. Like if Pearl becomes the next head coach and he wants to go back and listen to this podcast two months later and get mad about it, then whatever. I don't like Bruce Pearl as a human being. I'm sure he would come here and like charm me and, and win me on his side, especially if he started winning a bunch of basketball games and getting a bunch of recruits. I think he's like one of the worst dudes in college basketball just because he's a phony. Uh, he's done very shady shit behind closed doors. He's snitched on people behind closed doors. Uh, he somehow has gotten away with all of it. I don't think he's going to be a serious candidate for UofL because UofL knows that this is a guy who, when he was hired at Auburn, quite literally still had a show cause penalty against him. Um, we know what the national storylines would be. I don't know if you care about that at this point if you're UofL. Like the, the damage is done stigma-wise if you're worried about perception. Louisville's going to be stigmatized for certainly a, a long time by a lot of people nationally. And the rules are changing in the NCAA. I think the NCAA has set itself up to put itself in a position where they're probably not going to be leveling the same types of punishments in just a few years as they have been for the last 50 years. And you can get away with more stuff now than you could. Like, you can legally pay kids. Uh, still, I wouldn't want Bruce Pearl here just because I – I, I don't think he's just a good dude. Like that, that's kind of, I'm willing to stretch my limits a long ways with people. Like you don't have to be my favorite person in the world to cheer for it. Like Pearl's kind of just beyond those limits. But if he did get the job, I would, I would, I would do what I've got to do, swallow my pride and cheer for him. But I, I don't want it. I know you do though, and I know. Like, I mean, all, I, all my friends do. Like I'm, I'm the one person who's like, ah, I just, I can't do it. I, I mean, I'm not absolutely. I, I would take Mick. Over Bruce Pearl, I would, um, if it came down to it. But I don't know. I, I, I just, like, after these last four years, like, I guess I've turned into Al Davis. I'm like, just win, baby. That's all I, I want. And, I kind of am, too. And, like, I just want to produce a winner. And, I mean, we obviously know he has a big personality. We know that it would really in, reinvigorate the rivalry with UK, which, like, is I mean, like, I would much rather win than reinvigorate the rivalry, although, you know, that's a nice kind of, you know, icing on the cake. But, um, 
the the one the one drawback I have to Bruce, I guess, I, I and I this was more at Tennessee and I know God he got close at Auburn. I mean they they almost should have beat Virginia in the Final Four if it wasn't for a you know a foul in the corner there with no time left on the clock. But I I don't know if that style play can win a national title. Um, now he has some dudes on his team this year. Um, obviously Jabari Smith's probably going to be number one through three pick in the NBA draft. So that helps a lot, but, um, I don't know. It would be fun. That's what I'll say. It would be fun. I think, uh, I think it would be obviously more of a risk than some of the other candidates. Although it seems like all rules are basically out the window now. Um, as far as him not being a good dude, I mean, yeah, I guess that kind of sucks, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I think, you know, myself and the fan base, that they want to see a winner. They want to see an yeah. exciting style of play, and, and I he would certainly bring that. But, it, it, you know, if you were like, hey, him or Mick, I, I would put Mick ahead of him. I mean, after like 10 years of me, like I think every radio show I've ever done, every podcast I've ever done, I've like shit on Bruce Pearl and made fun of him for that painting up for the Tennessee women's basketball game. I can't wait until he gets hired and I'm like, this guy's painting up for Jeff. <laughs> like, I fucking love this guy. Like, look at him. He's adorable. He's, he's so cute. Like, oh, I, guarantee, man. I, I, I would be such a fraud. I guarantee, like if he got hired, I'd be like, all right, I guess we got to do this. And like two weeks later, I'd be like, you know what? I kind of, yeah, I, I, I see it. I, I see why he's, he's chest bumping Auburn fans when he got off the plane a few years ago. Who cares that he's maybe the dirtiest coach in the history of the sport? Let's let him do what he's got to do. I guarantee, I, like, yeah, I, I I would be such a fraud so quickly. But as of right now, it's just. Uh, All right, give, give me I, get one more. Give me your like dark horse candidate that like you haven't heard out. You know, a lot of people discuss. So you'd be like, you know what? I actually would be on board with this one. Uh, real quick, I, I think because people are going to talk about Musselman. I think he would absolutely take the job. I think he's been interested for multiple years. I think you would have to pay him probably more than he's worth. He's not having a great season at Arkansas right now either. Um, I think Matt Painter would certainly listen. I don't know if he would take the job, but I definitely think he would, he, he would listen and be interested. Like the downside is I don't know how much that would fire up the fan base. Like he just kind of is a, he hasn't had a whole lot of NCAA tournament success. We'll see what he does with this really good Purdue team this year, but, um, he's not, he doesn't have like really that personality that I think would, would move the needle with Louisville fans. One guy, this would be, if he wound up being hired here, I would, I think I'd be on an island, like as the happiest guy alive while everybody else was pissed off about it. But I did hear last night that, that one person who has expressed interest is Steve Forbes from Wake Forest. <laughs> I did I mean, yeah, cause like I, I've been talking about Steve Forbes, you know, this for like eight years. Like I, I've been, he got, bringing this full circle. He got thrown under the bus by Bruce Pearl at Tennessee. It completely fucked up his coaching tenure, his trajectory. Um, he has killed it ever since he became a head coach. I think his X's and O's knowledge is second to none. His players love him everywhere he goes. He was incredible at East Tennessee State. He's turned around Wake Forest, who's having its best season in like 30 years in just his second season. I think the dude absolutely knows how to coach. I think he's going to be a, a superstar in college basketball for – now until whenever he calls it a career, I know that Louisville fans aren't that familiar with him. I think he does have more of a fiery personality than than Louisville fans are aware of. Like his introductory video at Wake Forest, he took his mask off and slammed it down at midcourt. Like I think that was awesome. He after they beat um, North Carolina on Saturday, like he started 
TPing the the Wake Forest campus with the students. Like, like he would do a whole bunch of like genuine shit that didn't feel contrived that I think the fan base would get very excited about. But as of right now, I don't think anybody's going to get really excited about him. I would love it. Uh, Wes Miller was the other guy that people were talking about last night would be at least interested. I don't think that would happen just because he's waiting for the North Carolina job, which is probably going to be open in two years. I think they give Hubert Davis one more try next year, and then Wes Miller's probably their head coach in uh, 2024. But if he was genuinely interested in the Louisville job, I think he'd kill it here because I think he's awesome. Um, Kevin Willard also will get a little bit of love. I'd be more on board. It's another one that I probably would be more on board with than most of the Louisville fan base. I don't think it's a it's a no brainer that he'd kill it here, but I do like. I mean, he's a Patino guy. I like I like their style of play. I think he's been able to do things at Seton Hall that nobody's been able to do there since PJ Carlesimo. Like he's done a great job up there, but certainly not the. It does feel a little bit like the Chris Mack hire, where it's like it would probably work here, but he doesn't have a Final Four to show. He doesn't have uh, a team that's been a legitimate national title contender, so that's kind of a drawback. I don't. I mean. It sort of feels like the 2018, where I think we're going to wind up getting a guy that the fan base can feel good about for a variety of reasons, but there's no, like, no-brainer, can't miss, this guy's absolutely, 100%, definitely going to make us national title caliber again at some point, like there was with Rick Pitino back in 2001. I just don't feel like that guy's out there, but hopefully we find the guy who who does you have the Patino success without having that guarantee when he's hired. Who, who's the one name that you're thinking of? Do you have anybody in mind when you ask that question? I I mean, I don't know. I just don't know who would be willing to listen. I said, I can name names, but like we could look at him and be like, Oh God, no, like he would right. never listen in a million years. One name that like, eh, I, I, I think would be somewhat, I'll give you three. Um, I think uh, Boynton at Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Um, I think Kelvin Sampson at Houston and Hurley at UConn. Um, I don't know. Like, those are just three names. I'd be like, oh, I could maybe get on board with that. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I don't know. We don't know who's serious, who's not. We're just naming names. Um, Who knows if they'll even try to swing bigger for, like, a, you know, a Scott Drew or a Mark Few, which obviously I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, maybe that's a swing that they take and um, they, they get lucky. But, uh, we will, we have a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of time to, uh, discuss future candidates here in the next coming months. When do you think they'll make the hire? Like, do you have any time frame? Like, would you think like March, like after the tournament, like when's your best guess on a time frame? Cause obviously we don't know the IARP stuff, but I didn't know if you had a time frame in mind. I've got no idea. I mean, I, I would guess late March, early April, just yeah. because that's when most hires typically happen. But, you know, who's willing to listen to you when they're in the middle of the season is going to be a question. I mean, how, how much of a – let's just say that you do target Scott Drew, which I've got no idea whether or not that's a real thing. Right. How much does he want to listen when he's chasing a back-to-back national title with Baylor? Like, how yeah. serious how, Like, how serious can negotiations be when he's, in, when he's in the middle of the season? And how quickly could you get things done after his season ends? With Mac, you knew there had been – talks for a while and you knew it was going to be a pretty quick process whenever Xavier got eliminated and surely it was you know they lose to Florida State second round of the NCAA tournament in 2018 and uh, basically a week later he's your head coach at UofL I don't think it'll be that quick and easy this go round because I think that the the conversations are going to be more difficult to have depending on who the the target is 
but yeah, it's 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 all just speculation at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. I'm, I'm passing on the very, very, very little that I know, but I've got no idea. Like, like Kenny Payne. That's seems what like I hate most... even discussing it because I then I feel like we sound like the delusional fan base that's saying like, "What about Scott Drew? Like, why the hell would the defending national champion, you know, go to you know what's going on at your program right now?" So again, it's it's fun. From a fan standpoint, just to throw out names, we don't know how serious this is, or we don't know who's even interested. You know, no, someone. I know you might know a little bit, but a very a, a small amount. And it's why yeah. when people ask, like, who's the most likely can't like the likely guy to get it, I say Kenny Payne, just because we know that there's a relationship there. I think we know at this point that he would take the job, and that there's. I think the other big thing that's happening with Kenny Payne that's different now than it was maybe in 2018 is you've got. According to a lot of people, you've got Junior Bridgman out there who's openly voicing his support for Kenny Payne. And Junior likes to stay out of stuff like this. Like, he, for the most part, he's he's not kind of thrown his weight around when it comes to issues. He kind of likes to hang out in the background and let other people do the debating and the, the arguing and all that stuff. But it sounds like he has put it out there that he would like Kenny Payne to be the next head men's basketball coach at UofL. And, and Junior's a guy with a lot of money and a lot of influence around here and uh, I think that might have an effect when all said and done. So I think that's the most likely option, and that's just me doing that by default because I've got no idea how serious Josh Hurd is about any of these guys because I, I don't know what Josh Hurd's thinking. I, I don't even know if Josh Hurd's going to be the, the one who's completely in charge of handling this. Like, there's so much that we don't know that it's hard to have a really serious, factual conversation about any of this. Um, but there is a, a little bit of information out there that we can kind of go off of. And that's pretty much where we're going to be for the next couple of months. It's it's going to be a fascinating two months. And yeah. I'm excited about it in a weird way just because stuff like this is fun. Um, and and I'm, it does feel like there's a little bit of, of weight off of all of our shoulders just with the knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt what the situation is, the, the main situation, which is that Chris Mack's not going to be back next year. What that, if they didn't fire him during the meeting? They're like, actually, <laughs> you know what? Uh, he's sticking around. We're going to give him another couple years. Let's see what happens here. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> like it's, but like that was always going to be the biggest question. Like, there's no point in speculating about candidates or speculating about whatever until we know what's going to happen with Chris Mack. Well, now we know what's going to happen with Chris Mack. Let's root for the the team the rest of the season. Let's try to give the players as much support as we possibly can until whatever this this campaign ends. And then whatever happens after that is going to be just insanely intriguing because we're in such a unique spot. And I still do think I don't buy into the narrative that some of our own fans have. Certainly UK fans have been throwing it out there that, you know, Louisville's in such a bad spot. It's not nearly as attractive a job as it, as it you know ordinarily would be. It's not even a top 20 job. And who would leave their program right now that's in somewhat decent standing to go walk into that dumpster fire? It's still Louisville. It's still a top six program in this sport historically. And it's still a place where if you want to be a guy who's known as one of the preeminent coaches in college basketball, who's on that short list that you reel off, whenever you say, you know, the, the names that you think of when you think college basketball coaches right now, it's, you know, Coach K, it's Calipari, it's Bill Self, it's, uh, it used to be Roy Williams, now it's, you know, Jay Wright. Like, if you want to be on that list, Louisville's a place that can, where that can happen, where you can make it the checkmark tenure of your career. It can be the, the one that's on top of your Wikipedia page, like the most known for being the Louisville men's basketball coach, even if you have a couple of years of adversity to get started. And I think also what makes the job 
I don't want to say more attractive now than it was in 2018, but this part of the job is certainly more attractive than it was in 2018. You're no longer the guy who's following Rick Pitino. And I know that Chris Mack technically was following David Padgett, but for all intents and purposes, he was following Rick Pitino. You never want to be the guy after the guy. You want to be the guy after the guy after the guy. And if, whereas when Chris Mack came in and inherited a bad team by our standards as a program and took them to a seven seed in the NCAA tournament, like Louisville fans were excited about it, but we also like still were kind of like, we're not going to be thrilled about a one and done appearance in the NCAA tournament as a seven seed. I think now, like if whoever comes in next year walks into this situation, assembles a roster, assembles a coaching staff and takes Louisville to like a six seed in next year's NCAA tournament. Like we're going to throw that motherfucker a ticker tape parade. Like it's, well, it's going to be it's, the biggest it's thing more, ever. It's more realistic now because of the transfer portal. I mean, you can yeah. do a quick turnaround now versus, you know, Maybe what Chris Mack walked into when when he first got here. I mean, you got you can have guys playing right away. So I think that's a huge factor. I think the guy that comes in here, um, and, and I think I think fans. I, I I'm hopeful that fans are are, are realistic about it. Um, but I I, I do I know seriously. Um, but I do think that there's a there's there can be a quicker turnaround than maybe if this were to happen like five years ago. So. You know, everything you said was correct. I just think that's like one other factor whenever we do bring a coach in. You know, do they already have guys in mind that would come with them? You know, um, I, I think the interview the interview process for this job would just fascinate me. I would love to be a fly on the wall to hear like everything they're looking for, everything that the new coaches, you know, plan on bringing to the university from a basketball and, you know, kind of outside basketball standpoint. So I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's never dull here that's for sure at the end of the day too like i'm just excited about a change like whether it's even if it's even if it's bruce pearl like i yeah i would swallow the pride even if it's kenny Payne, even if it's somebody that we're not even talking about who seems like sort of a you know whatever hire i'm just excited for a change in direction because all the candidates that we've been listing I feel like would would inject more life into this program than it's had for the last two years. And we can at least start dreaming again. I, I think now the hope of Chris Mack just suddenly turning things around and being the guy who was going to take Louisville back to, to where we expect it to be, I think that's been minimal now for a couple of seasons. Like It, it was obvious that he might be able to have a, a degree of success here, more success than he's been able to have, but he was never, like, he wasn't from, he wasn't going to be Patino. He wasn't going to continue that line. And whoever's next, we can at least hope that that could be the case. I mean, the stat's been thrown about a lot this week, but in all of their years as the head coach at Louisville, Denny Crum never missed the NCAA tournament in back-to-back seasons. Rick Patino never missed the NCAA tournament in back-to-back seasons. Chris Mack was about to miss the NCAA tournament in back-to-back seasons, and I guess that's the way that you avoid it. If you if you don't want to have that uh, that fact on your resume, I guess it's just quit in the middle of the season or or walk away in the middle of the season. But this was it was very apparent, I think, especially in the last couple of months, that this just was not going to work. It was just was not a good fit, and maybe things could have been different if the pandemic doesn't happen or, or Louisville hadn't had the NCAA cloud or the extortion deal doesn't happen, but that's way too many ifs. It's and like, or if you weren't on the intro video. That's or if I wasn't on the intro video. <laughs> the evidence is all mounted. God damn it. I'm, I'm going to be... 
like the, the pinnacle of my like fandom being on the intro video, it's going to be associated with like my least favorite Louisville team of all time. And the team that's always going to be known for Chris Mack, not making it through the season. Like how also are they going to have to just change the intro video now? Because it ends with I know, Chris I Mack. I thought about that. Yeah. It ends with Mack saying that we're going to win it. Like we're still going to here to win a national title. Clearly that has to go before Saturday's game against Duke. Maybe they just take me off. At this point, yeah, just take me off. It's like we're mutually parting ways. I've negotiated a buyout from the intro video. I'm going to be on it in 2047. That's the deal. I'll be back in in 25 for 25 years. You know what's but, funny, man? Like we were both at the Notre Dame game, and I can't remember if I if you were with me, like um, when. Denny lost the first round of his uh, Conference USA tournament game in his final year. There was just a feeling in the crowd, like, like I mean, Denny we knew already, um, where, it, like, it was just half empty, and, uh, you know, the, the Notre Dame game just, I mean, I know people said that was, like, a big crowd. I hadn't been to a game in, like, a year and a half, so, like, you know, that was a, for me, uh, an eye-opener at the size of the crowd, even though people were like, dude, this is actually a lot of people here. Oh, it was the um, best crowd that we've had in two years. Exactly. So it's like, I don't know, man. I It, it just felt like the end, and it, it's weird that it worked out that way. So um, I don't know. We, we I guess we pick up the pieces and move on, and you're going to have a busy uh, busy time on the big X here for the next couple months. I mean, I'm – I. Obviously, I wanted it to work out with – like, everybody wanted to work out with Chris Mack. And I, I'm never happy that a guy gets fired. I'm happy for that UofL basketball is moving on. But personally, like, I've got nothing against Chris Mack. It's not like I'm going to actively root against Chris Mack when he goes somewhere else, if he does go somewhere else. Um, you know, I didn't really have that much of a relationship with Mack. We talked a couple of times uh, in person, just socially. Uh, he went on the radio show, the old radio show with Ramsey and Rutherford uh, a few times. He sent me a nice message on Twitter after I got laid off by iHeart. Um, but we, like, I didn't have nearly the relationship that I had with Rick Pitino, but I still don't have any ill will towards him. He, he was never mean to me or personally. And like, I, I, you know, it's, it's a professional type deal though. Like I, I care about Louisville men's basketball yeah. being in the best position possible. And clearly Chris Mack being at the helm of the program was not in the best interest of the program anymore. This was not a sustainable relationship. And it does excite me that we're moving in a different, different, different direction, even though I've got no fucking clue what direction that is at this point. Just the, the possibilities now are fun. It feels like we're at the beginning of a season where anything's possible. Yep. Who, know, who knows what this team can do? Who knows what this program can do? But it's going to be, whew, it's going to be a fascinating few months. And I can't wait to talk about it. Um, we might have to do another podcast this week, by the way, because we're recording yeah. this before Max even officially uh, let go or parted ways with or whatever the vernacular is going to be. Um, so we may have to come back on Friday and, and update because who knows what's going to happen in the next two days. But um, I, I tell you what, we won't do Day in the Dumps because we've, you know, this was a kind of a special episode. I will read a couple of reviews. We love when you guys leave reviews. Uh, we love when you subscribe to the podcast. It's the best way to find when new pod episodes are available. And if you can give us a five star rating and leave us a review, we really appreciate it. And to kind of incentivize leaving a review, we like to read them during the show. Uh, the first review we have, five-star review, says Go Cards. Love these guys' insight and point of view on everything Louisville sports. I don't ever miss an episode. We have a four-star review as well oh uh, that says mostly good. And uh, <laughs> the review is the following. Will Dan ever not be the Eeyore of Louisville fandom? Okay. All, in, 
all in all, usually a fun listen, but good Lord, Dan. Also, can we talk more about the women's team that actually tries and puts full effort on the court? Are you willing to embrace, Danny, your your new title of the Eeyore of Louisville fandom? I mean, look what we were going through. Of course I'm going to be Eeyore. My God, I mean, the whole fan base was a bunch of Eeyores. That was, I mean, that was a depressing couple months there. But, I mean, he is right. We probably should give the women some credit. Obviously, they're, they're coming off a nice win. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I sound kind of mundane and Eeyore-ish to begin with, even just talking. So I could definitely see the, <laughs> the Eeyore vibes that come off there. But uh, as far as my mood, I mean, we didn't really have a whole whole lot to be cheery about. So hopefully uh, you thought I was a little perked up today, and I'll be perked up the rest of the season. Uh, isn't it I, – I just had this thought when you were talking. How weird is it that – we had Russ Smith jersey retirement celebration on Saturday. We played a big Monday game at Virginia on Monday. We've got Duke in Mike Krzyzewski's last season coming to town for the only meeting that we have against the Blue Devils on Saturday. We haven't talked about really any of those games. Like, like, like that's not like none of those games are the focal point of U of L athletics right now or U of L basketball fandom. What a weird time to be a Cards fan, but. Uh, that's what we're going to do. God damn it, the Thornton's text line. People keep calling it somehow, and it's making that, that weird noise that you hear in the background. Uh, the life of Big X Radio over here. Uh, it's like, also, I've got COVID. Like, just tossing yeah. that in. Like, <laughs> like it's all happening right now, folks. It's okay. Uh, again, we may have another podcast before the end of the week. Um, I also, I didn't get a chance to. I've got to get this in really quickly now that I realize that this is going to sound very just thrown in there, but it has to be. Homefield Apparel. Oh, yeah. Proud, proud to sponsor the Card Chronicle podcast. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Hey, perfect. If, if you have been checked out on Louisville men's basketball because you just haven't loved Chris Mack or you haven't loved the Chris Mack era, and now you're, you're re-energized because a new coach is coming in to take over the program, what better time to stock up on your Cardinal apparel and what better place to go than homefieldapparel.com? And if you're making your first purchase over there of UofL gear, use the promo code at checkout, Chronicle15. That's all one word. Chronicle, and then the numbers one and five, it's going to save you 15% on that first purchase. And if you want other college gear, if you've got a, a friend or a family member who's a fan of another school or a graduate of another school, they've got like a billion different schools over there on the website now. The coolest retro designs, the most comfortable clothes you're going to find anywhere, it's all at homefieldapparel.com, and we love them for sponsoring this podcast. As mentioned, uh, we'll probably have another one this week, depending on what happens uh, over these next 48 hours or so. Man, what a whirlwind. Never saw it coming, but here we are. Any parting thoughts here, Dan? Go Will Zalatoris. Damn it, you stole it. I was going to sign off. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, until we talk to you guys next time, go Zalatoris, go Cards. We're going to be back, baby. Go Cards.